This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. A sincere, heartfelt at the beginning of the show, because that's where it belongs. Thank you. A big thank you to all those who served on this Veterans Day. You know, listen, our uh, house of freedom and liberty we have here is built on a bedrock of your sacrifice. And uh, I want you to know on this show, we will always appreciate the fact that you put your, you subordinated your own life to protect the freedoms and liberties and the lives of others. It's always going to mean a lot to me and I know everyone on this show. Um, you know, I know it's not Memorial Day, but uh, tell the story often about a, an uncle we lost in Vietnam. He was uh, shot in the back while trying to defend his um, battle buddies there, and he was killed. And my grandmother was never the same after that. Pre and post Greg, Greg Ambrose. These are the kind of sacrifices that men and women around this country make every day and the kind of... Uh, danger they put themselves in for the freedoms and liberties we've come to uh some of us have come to take for granted although not many in this listening audience this listening audience i think you know and i deeply appreciate your support of our veterans as well on this veterans day all right we got a lot to talk about today it was an extremely busy news day yesterday the rittenhouse trial is grasped and clawed the nation's attention that's for a number of reasons Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. I've got the Rittenhouse trial, Piers Morgan unloading on Kamala Harris and Joe Biden and why that's important because others in the media now, the narrative's starting to set. This is, let me write this down because I don't want to forget this. This is what I'll call the Dinkins effect. For those of you who grew up in New York City, Mayor David Dinkins, you'll see what I mean in a second. Got that and the inflation crisis and what it really means, how the, the contours of the argument are now changing because the left-wing media is now forced to acknowledge Everything they told you wasn't happening is, in fact, happening. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. Comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers, and they're all made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com, and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. All right, Joe, let's go. And we're off. I didn't hear the bell. Oh, the bell didn't come do... through. No, hold on. We haven't used the Kenny Bell in a while anyway, so that's all right. You're gonna, yeah, that's the, uh, the, the, you know, and Joe, I know on this uh, Veterans Day means a lot to you as well. So Yes, uh, sir, it you does. Know, you a, bet. Yeah. A big, uh, big thank you to all of you out there. Believe me, your sacrifice will never, 
ever go unnoticed on this program here. Not a chance. Thank you for everything you're doing. Um, so yesterday, the Rittenhouse trial. There we go. Now we hear the bell. Kind of caught me off guard. Um, not that I didn't think the trial was going to be of national significance, of course, but it seems to have really, I mean, to just clawed the attention of the entire nation. And I think the reason is there are narratives about the media and media malfeasance. There are narratives about race relations, obviously, given uh, given the, the, the surrounding circumstances of when this Rittenhouse uh, incident happened, right? There's justice scenarios and narratives. These are all narratives that appeal, you know, many overlap, but appeal to different subsets of the population. This case has people fascinated. Just go to social media and look. The trial's exploded. And you have to start asking yourself right now, is the prosecutor in the case, is he at this point looking for a mistrial or is it just stunning incompetence? The prosecutor trying to prosecute Rittenhouse for criminality, homicide in this case, for his what, what appears to be clear self-defense at this point, he is either one of two things. He's either stunningly incompetent or he's a prosecutor who know this, knows this case is a total dog and he's looking for a mistrial. Let me show you what I mean. Yesterday during the trial, you may have seen this, but it's important. I want to give you my angle on this, having lived through a lot of this stuff myself, federal trials and local trials as well. Here's the judge in the case unloading on what appears to be unethical activity by this prosecutor. Basic law school 101, ladies and gentlemen, not even 101, as I said yesterday on Fox, it's like law school orientation. You don't challenge a defendant's constitutional right when he's on the stand to remain silent. That is not indicative of guilt. It's his right. Does everybody understand what I mean? If, if as a prosecutor, let's say I see someone robbing a bank and the investigator, whoever it may be, the detective arrest that person, winds up in jail. Person's on the stand for the bank robbery. And the prosecutor's like, hey, we noticed after being issued your Miranda rights, you invoked your right to an attorney and refused to speak. That's pretty much indicating that you had something to hide, isn't it? That is a major, may, I cannot emphasize to you in strong enough terms how major of a no-no that is. You don't do that. It is not implied guilt. It is the simple exercising of a constitutional right. For a number of reasons, you don't do it. For some bizarre reason, the prosecutor in this case decided to do it. Uh, Mr. Rittenhouse, so this is the first time you've spoken. And while the judge is like, wait, wait, what? Time out. T.O., baby. Red flag on the field. Go under the hood for review. Did you just say that? Here's the judge unloading on him for asking this unethical Fifth Amendment question. You have the right to remain silent. It doesn't imply guilt at all. Check this out. Why would you think that that made it okay for you without any advance notice to bring this matter before the jury. You are already, you were, I, I was a, astonished when you began your examination by commenting on the defendant's post-arrest silence. That's basic law. It's been basic law in this country for 40 years, 50 years. I have no idea why you would do something like that. And it gives, um, uh, well, I'll, I'll leave it at that. So I don't know what you're up to. I think the judge was ready to unload even worse on this guy and how to restrain himself. Folks, I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm not an attorney. I don't pretend to be one. It's not one of those Holiday and Express jokes either, okay? But I've been around enough attorneys and enough prosecutions to know basic facts of our judicial system like this, from even from the prosecutorial side. You don't bring up an invocation of the right to remain silent and imply it means you're guilty. It is a major league no-no. This... There's no doubt in my mind this prosecutor knows that. Zero. Zero doubt. So why would he do it? 
Let me explain to you what I think is going on behind the scenes here. Dealt with a lot of prosecutors, ADAs, AUSAs, city states attorneys. They are people too. They care about their reputations. The prosecutor assigned to this case, there's no doubt he was probably a high profile guy in his office. Here's the, here's the hard reality. And, and listen, you put a few drinks in any prosecutor at the federal, state, or local level, they'll tell you this. Folks, they're all people too. They love to be on TV. I'm tell, I'll, I'll give you a quick example, right? There was this assistant United States attorney when I was a federal agent, right? He didn't want to take any of the cases we were bringing him for financial fraud. I tell him we have a case about a guy's identity being stolen, a basic identity theft case. I'm, seriously, it was not a federal case at all, but I knew this guy. I knew all he cared about was being in the papers, right? The case involved a guy who was a character in a movie. It was a movie made about this guy, right? I knew when I called him, he'd want to take the case. Now, why'd you call him, you may ask? Because you had to get a declination. We were federal agents. You had to get a declination from the federal United States attorney before you brought it to a local state's attorney. You had to. So I had to call him. I knew this guy was going to want this case. I call him. I'm like, I'm not going to say who it was, but I'm like, hey, this guy. He's like, whoa, that guy? I'm like, yeah, he had his identity stolen. Oh, man, we should take a look at that. I knew it. You know why you want to take a look at it? Because he knew when the guy's name made the papers, he'd be in the papers too. I'm not telling you it's their only motivation. I'm just telling you they're people. Prosecutors are people. They love their names in the paper. They love to be famous. I'm dead serious when I tell you. I think this guy put himself on this knowing he would get in the newspapers, thinking he was going to get a better judge, thinking there would be a plea deal or whatever it was. Now he goes to trial. He finds out he's going to be humiliated and embarrassed and take an epic loss that'll turn up on his search engine every time his name is put in Google, DuckDuckGo, or anywhere. And now the guy's embarrassed. I think he wants a mistrial at this point. So he's doing things knowingly, invoking the Fifth Amendment right to remain silent as an implication of some guilt. He's doing it knowing the case will be declared a mistrial or should be declared a mistrial. So he could say, hey, I didn't lose. It was just a mistrial. Simple mistake. Now, I'm not the only one who thinks this. I'm not even close to the only one who thinks this. Alan Dershowitz, whether you love him or can't stand him, he is a talented lawyer. Dershowitz was on Hannity last night. And Dershowitz was talking about this exact same thing, how this prosecutorial misconduct here cannot be by accident. This has to be deliberate. He is sabotaging, sabotage. He is in a French accent. That'll make sense in a minute too. Sabotage, Joseph, you know what I'm talking about. The French accent, the awful French accent coming up, I promise. This This is sabotage. I'm telling you, Dershowitz knows it too. Check this out. Well, first of all, let me tell you what's really going on here. What's really going on is that the prosecutor wants a mistrial. He wants a mistrial without prejudice because he doesn't think the trial is going his way. The judge doesn't want to be the one to declare a mistrial because he's not going to be able to go back into security. He wants the jury to acquit. And so what the judge is angry at is that the prosecutor is trying to put him in the position of creating a mistrial, which then... The prosecutor says, hey, it's the judge's fault. It's not my fault. I've seen this tactic used by prosecutors before. Now, that's why the judge has the power to dismiss the case. With but don't want to do that. They want to have the jury acquit. They don't want to acquit. So this is even a worse ethical violation, possibly, than what the judge has said. But the judge doesn't want to surface it. Because the judge doesn't want to say, oh, you want to provoke a mistrial. But that is what I think is going on. 
You get it? You get the double, triple, reverse psychology here? The prosecutor probably thought he'd get a plea. He didn't get a plea. Rittenhouse went to trial. He probably thought Rittenhouse would get a bunch of incompetent attorneys and he'd win anyway. He didn't. He now knows not only is he losing, he's being humiliated. The prosecutor's star witnesses are telling stories that are against the prosecution. They were forced to change their statements. One of the uh, people who was shot said, oh, I was only shot after I stuck a gun in the guy's face. The case is melting down. The prosecutor then says, oh, you know what? I'll just do really stupid stuff like this Fifth Amendment thing, implication of guilt, which is totally unethical, knowing the judge will toss the case. The judge doesn't want to toss the case because the judge knows what the prosecutors do. You get the double, triple, quadruple, reverse psychology. The judge is smart. He knows what the prosecutor's doing, and he doesn't want to be responsible for throwing this out. He wants the jury to throw the case out because he sees the prosecutor is not building his case and is not building anything close to beyond a reasonable doubt. The judge wants the jury to figure it out, not him. But the prosecutor keeps doing dumb stuff, pushing the judge over the edge at some point, and that's why the judge is so furious. Because he's trying to push, the prosecutor's trying to push his malfeasance onto the judge and make him a part of it. Now, the media that doesn't understand any of this, one of the dopiest guys in media is Aaron Rupar. My fact checker, Matt Palumbo, I mean, has articles written about this guy's uh, just ignorance on a number of different topics. But Rupar comments quite often on these things. Rupar is indicative of the, the lack of intelligence on the left about what's going on. Or they know what's going on. I'm just trying to hide it. I guarantee you the narrative. Mark the time. There we go. 9-16, November 11th. Mark the time, folks. I guarantee you the narrative going forward as this case goes down the tubes for the prosecution because the left loves Antifa and BLM. They want to be able to burn your building down and beat the living snot out of you. And God forbid you defend yourself. The whole ethos of the left is you will bow to our shock troops. If you defend yourself, we will put you in jail. And this case is their red line. If Rittenhouse gets off, they know their shock troops will not be able to fire on, beat the hell out of, and burn people's businesses down without defending themselves. That's why people like Rupar need Rittenhouse in jail for a long time. Watch them turn it around on the judge. Here you go, Aaron Rupar. OMG, this judge. He's basically an additional defense attorney. Rupar is not that bright, so he probably doesn't know what the prosecutor's up to. But I'm telling you, for a fact, Dershowitz is right. The prosecutor is intentionally trying to throw this trial with unethical conduct. So it's thrown to mistrial. So whenever his name is searched in a search engine anywhere in the future, and he's looking for a job at a high-profile criminal defense firm where he can make big buku bucks, it's not going to come up that, hey, prosecutor in the Rittenhouse case lost. It'll come up mistrial. That is exactly what's going on. Now, some of the worst takes weren't just from Rupar, but were from others too. This is what I believe to be bar none, the worst take on the interweb yesterday. This is from the Young Turks, Ryan Grimm, a relatively hapless fellow. Here's at Ryan Grimm. He says, what people could do with anger about the Rittenhouse trial is advocate for a law that says if you bring a weapon to a public place where you know violence is basically guaranteed, you lose any self-defense grounds. <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> so, Ryan Grimm wants a law, Joe, just to be, just to be clear. 
You can bring a gun anywhere. There's not going to be any violence. Wave it around. Do whatever you want. Bring a gun to it. A Sesame Street Elmo, whatever you want, Ryan Grimm. But if you bring a gun where you, God forbid, think someone could do violence to you, you should definitely lose any. You should only have self-defense rights at the Sesame Street on ice thing with Elmo and Big Bird skating around the ring. Maybe a cookie monster appears or something. (laughs) That's where the only place you have self-defense rights is at a kid's birthday party for five-year-olds with a really bad magician like my daughter had one time. That's the only place. Self-defense rights where there could be actual violence against you? No, no, definitely not. This, folks, this is a real tweet. This is a real tweet. It's not a joke. This is a real tweet. Definitely no self-defense rights where you may actually need to defend yourself, only where you don't. Well, that was the worst take, but the most disgusting take is this. This is Tara Dublin, who I have no idea who this is. But Tara Dublin, who said uh, Kyle Rittenhouse broke down in tears yesterday describing the shooting incident. And uh, he, she took this photo of him appearing to be in pain and she tweeted out. And that's the same face Kyle Rittenhouse will make during his first time in the prison shower. Hashtag Kyle Rittenhouse is guilty. P.O.S. It proves my. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, big time. It proves my point that I've stated often on the show. Uh, that we think liberals are people with bad ideas. They think we're bad people with ideas. These people hate your guts. Um, they legitimately hate your guts. They want to, they're calling now for what appears to be a prison rape. Wow. A sexual assault. This is the left, folks. I thought they were against that whole sexual assault thing, like any sane person would be. I thought they, I thought they were against that. No, no, not if it's someone you don't like. Now, one final piece of the trial. This is how incompetent this prosecutor is. I, 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 and I think you may say, well, Dan, you just said he's, 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 uh, he's looking for a mistrial. No, I, I do. But I think he seeds in moments of incompetence where I think he's incompetent and looking for a mistrial and looking for a mistrial because of his incompetence, if you get what I mean there. He needs a mistrial right now because he's been so incompetent at making his own case that now he's just resorted to, let me just sabotage this thing immediately. Here's what I mean. He asked Kyle Rittenhouse questions. He clearly doesn't know the answer to. What is the golden rule of legal proceedings if you're a prosecutor or a defense attorney? Ask any good lawyer and they'll tell you this. Never, ever, ever ask a question. You aren't sure you know the contours of the answer to. You might not know it verbatim, but you have a decent idea of what that witness is going to say. The prosecutor seems to have forgotten that. He keeps asking questions and getting buried by a a teenager, this Mr. Rittenhouse, who keeps making this guy look like a buffoon. Here, he asks an absurd question. Well, who is really in danger here? He had a pistol. You had an AR-15. The answer he gets (laughs) shows again. He asked a question. Just didn't anticipate the answer to. Check this out. In this moment, you told us Gage Grosskreutz is a threat to you right now. Yes. He's got a pistol not aimed at you. You've got an AR-15 aimed at him. Why is he more of a threat to you than you are to him? Because he was he was moving at me with a gun in his hand. Listen, uh Again, I'm not Atticus Finch, okay? I get it. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to make a bad joke about being one. But um, so how did you know he was a danger? Because there's a photo of him charging at me with a pistol in his hand, pointing it at my, my, my face. This is an actual question. 
by the prosecutor. Now you see why he needs a mistrial. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. So the Dinkins effect. What do I mean by the Dinkins effect? If you grew up in New York City like I did in the 80s, one of the mayors of New York City, the first black mayor of New York, Eric Adams, the mayor-elect now, is the second black mayor of New York City. The first black mayor was David Dinkins, a radical leftist who drove the city into the ground. The man was a horror show. He uh, ran for one term. He won. He got destroyed by Rudy Giuliani. Giuliani then cleaned up the city for two terms. Dinkins was terrible. I call it the Dinkins effect because when Mayor Dinkins got in office, you know, the race hustlers and the identity politics people on the left, they only want to celebrate things that involve race, not things that involve big R, God-given rights and principles. They made David Dinkins out in New York to be the Messiah. If you read the papers, oh, David Dinkins, David Dinkins, oh my gosh, David Dinkins is so wonderful. The problem was... David Dinkins was so wonderful that New York City descended into total madness, so much so that a Republican won for the first time in eons in Rudy Giuliani and got rid of David Dinkins because he was so terrible. Crime had exploded through the roof. I mean, financial markets were leaving and headed overseas to London. It was a disaster. Times Square was a a haven. It was like, what's the cantina, Guy, in Star Wars? You're... The Moss Eisley Cantina. That's how Star Wars was. I, it was uh, that's how New York was. It was Star Wars. It was Moss Eisley. It was that bad. A hive of scum and ability. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's great. See, Guy knows all the quotes from Star Wars. It was. It was a disaster. Well, why do I call it the Dinkins effect? Because after Dinkins was voted out of office, the media, even in New York, where they were as radical as it gets, even the New York media had to recognize at one point the disaster David Dinkins was. Why? Not because they, you know, they wanted to hurt the Democrat Party and tell the truth, but because they realized they still had to have some semblance of dignity. And when Giuliani turned the city around, the people who were getting mugged weren't getting mugged, and the people who got off the train at Times Square noticed the place was different. The media just couldn't keep writing stories about how the turnaround of New York City wasn't a turnaround. So they eventually had to throw Dinkins under the bus and say, okay, Dinkins really sucked and was terrible like they did with Jimmy Carter, but he was just a terrible leader, not a bad Democrat. You get it? That happens. I promise it happens. It's not because the media has any sense of dignity. It's because they want to sell papers and they can't tell people forever what's not happening is happening and what's happening isn't happening. You're seeing it now as even the Times of London and other outlets start to recognize that the pee tape was in fact a hoax. Like Eric Wemple at the Washington Post. Well, the paper's going to have to have a reckoning. Yeah, you think? You're seeing that transformation now, less than one year into the Biden administration, where the media, Joy Reid, Stephen People on CNN, Piers Morgan, who's a leftist, are all starting to say, this is a total disaster. You doubt me? Here's the Daily Mail, the David Dinkins moments here already. Daily Mail, Piers Morgan, longest headlines ever, Daily Mail. Biden doesn't stand a chance in 2024, and neither does the epically unpopular and useless Kamala. So unless Joe finds a new VP to succeed him, soon the Dems can kiss goodbye to the White House. Like, that's the piece? No, no, that's the headline. That's just the headline. 
That's they have the longest headline. We laugh about this. I know he's got to expand the text and the frame and the teleprompter because the headlines at the Daily Mail are so long. That'll be in the newsletter today if you'd like to read it. Bongino.com slash newsletter. Listen, Piers will play some issues down the center, but he's generally a leftist. Generally. I want to stereotype the guy. I'm just telling you what I think he'd tell you himself. Piers Morgan recognizes the fact that cancel culture is an awful thing. And he recognizes the fact that it's over for these guys, Biden and Harris. I told you that yesterday as if on cue, I'm getting from sources in D.C. Everyone in the White House knows it's over. Therefore, they're going to double down on radical leftism because they know the only people that can still use Joe Biden for the useful tool he is are radical leftists who need him to be a puppet while they're the puppet master. He's done. He's done. He is done. The goose is cooked. The Dinkins moment is here. You think the embarrassment, by the way, can't get any worse? You want to see why the David Dinkins moments arrived? I, I, I think it's. I think it's unquestionable at this point that this is the worst vice president we've seen in modern U.S. history. I'm, I'm trying not. I'm, the reason I'm being careful here is not because I'm worried about like cancel culture people is because, you know, I don't give a damn about that, obviously. I actually relish those fights. Is that I want to make this a bit, I want to make this substantive, not just emotional. Kamala Harris has shown none of the traits in a real leader. Put party politics aside for a moment. Has shown none of the traits in a real leader that would lead people to believe she's even remotely capable of the position she's in now, no less the presidency later. Character? Nope. She'll lie about anything. Leadership skills? Nope. She was put in charge of the border. We haven't even seen her down there. She went to El Paso where they're not having a border crisis. Integrity? Nope. You know, powerful orator and, and speaker in public who can inspire people? <laughs> nope. She's got nothing. She's got none of the traits. None of the traits. Honesty? Nope. None of the traits you'd look for in a leader. I've never seen a media clip sum up the poor character of a person as well as this one. Is. Here's Kamala Harris overseas in France. You may have seen this. If you have, I'm sorry to repeat it again, but it's important. It's not just funny. It shows how terrible of a person she really is. She's over in France giving a speech about the plan with France, and she starts doing a fake Pepe Le Pew-like accent in the middle of the French media overseas representing the United States. The plan, I don't know if the French accent is... Is Tattoo from Fantasy Island? His name was Tattoo, right, Joe? The ta was yeah, it Tattoo? Yeah. The, the, yeah. It was. Tattoo, yeah. I don't know if this is Tattoo or if this is a French accent. This is in front of the world stage, our vice president. Listen to Pepe Le Pew. Check this out. With us in government, we campaign with the plan. <laughs> uppercase T, uppercase P, the plan. And then the environment is such that we're expected to defend the plan. Even when the first time we roll it out, there may be some glitches and it's time to reevaluate and then do it again. Now you know why the, the Dinkins effect is here now? The plan. The, the plane? The plan. What are you talking about? That was the worst affectation <laughs> I have ever heard. Joe, <laughs> that's a better French accent than Kamala. I mean, this is really, we are really in the danger zone of stupid right now. Now, is Biden and Kamala engaged in fake Pepe Le Pew accents, uh, creepy Reverend Kane whispering campaigns, bizarre cackles, come on, ha, 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 
Joe's falling to sleep overseas. Inflation rages, and our economy down here is taking a real hit. I've got a block coming up here. It's an important one. Folks, why inflate? What is going to happen? How we can stop it? How bad this is going to get? And a very important business leader, Ken Langone, saying the quiet part now out loud that, hey, listen, this inflation is really a regressive tax on the poorest of Americans, not on the rich. Danger zone, folks, coming. So as Biden and Kamala do the Pepe Le Pew and the cackle everywhere they go, inflation rages right here. Now, I've warned you about inflation repeatedly. It's the subject of a video the other day made by the Media Research Center, uh, which is a great place. They had me in a video saying over and over about inflation repeatedly. You've been warned. You've been warned. You've been warned. And I'm warning you again, folks, inflation is an everywhere a monetary phenomenon, and it is making you poorer by the day. Now the hard numbers are out. The facts are kicking everybody in the grapefruits. Here it is, CNBC yesterday. Headline, inflation has taken away all the wage gains for workers and then some. This is not some right-leaning website. It's CNBC. That's why I picked it. To show you that even the left is starting to realize that we have David Dinkins in the White House. Read this from the piece. So, you know, listen, uh, inflation's gone up 0.9%, far more than had been expected. That was the bad news. Very bad news, in fact. It's a quote from the piece. That's because it meant that all told, real average hourly earnings when accounting for inflation decreased 0.5% for the month. So an apparent solid paycheck increase actually turned into a decrease and another setback for workers still struggling to shake off the effects of the COVID, uh, COVID pandemic. Listen, if there, you, don't, you don't have to be an economist to understand what's going on, nor would I recommend it. You've got a lot of things going on. You have to you know, develop your own craft, whatever it may be. But some of the principles of economics are very simple to understand. And one of them I would strongly encourage you to grasp and get your arms around. It's not complicated at all is the difference between nominal and real. Folks, nominal wages, meaning the number of your, the, the, no, the actual number of your paycheck. You're making $1,500 a week, $2,000 a week, whatever it may be. If your paycheck goes up to $2,000 from $1,500, you may say, wow, I'm $500 better off. The problem, ladies and gentlemen, is the real power, purchasing power of your paycheck is all that matters. You can make $10 million a year. If you can't buy a can of cat food, you're not rich. I give the example all the time of Tom Hanks and Wilson and Castaway. The guy could have had 10 suitcases full of money. There was nothing to buy. Real, real purchasing power is all that matters. The nominal number on your paycheck doesn't mean a damn thing. It's what it buys that matters. I'd rather make $1,500 a week and be able to buy a Lamborghini than $2 million a week and be stuck with a Ford Pinto. The left is hiding this from you, saying wages are going up. Real purchasing power of wages is not going up. This is getting so bad that the David Dinkins moment is not just here for CNBC. The David Dinkins moment is here for Joy Reid, too, as she notices if inflation goes up 2% and wages only go up 1%, you got poorer. Here is the gold medal winner in the dopey media talking head Olympics. Even she gets it. Check this out. Unless you've been living under a rock this year, you've probably noticed that your money isn't going as far as it used to with higher prices on gas, food and your energy bill. 
That would be inflation. And today, the Labor Department announced that it's at its highest level in 30 years. I mean, does Joy Reid have to get demoted? Do we have to move Brianna Keeler into it? I mean, really? This, that, that is a big, I know that's a lot. That, that's like heresy. I mean, strike that from the record immediately. Rewind the tape. Strike that. <laughs> I'm surprised that if we had a judge, like in a written out, a judge would be like, stop, stop the trial. That's an outrageous statement. Outrageous. Moving Brianna Keeler above Joy Reid because of one small clip. When you've lost Joy Reid, you've lost the argument. It doesn't matter what you're paid. It matters what you're paid buys. Nominal, real. Nominal, real. Real matters, not nominal. Tapper from CNN notices this too. So Tapper has the hapless White House Chief of Staff, Ron Klain, on. And Ron Klain hilariously tries to clap back at Tapper. I cut out Tapper's part of me because Tapper says to him, listen, inflation's going up again. It went down a little bit. Now it's going up a lot. Ron Klain, the hapless White House Chief of Staff, he's like, no, no, no. None of that's true. And he proceeds to cite on CNN a CNN fact check. Yes, this actually happened. Check this out. Well, I want to quote a leading source on this topic, which said today that the government spending of this year, uh, it, to say that the government spending of this year caused an increase in gas and food prices is false. That was the CNN fact check that was out this morning uh, on CNN about these, these claims. On CNN, despite getting called out by CNN, Cites a CNN fact check. Yeah, that's who I take my uh, CNN, the PP tape hoaxers. That's who I take my advice from. Tapper knows exactly what's going on. So does Joy Reid. Joy Reid and Tapper both know that as American workers start to struggle more and more, as their paychecks go up, but what they can buy goes down, that this is going to turn into a genuine stagflation in the early 1980s era crisis. They all see the writing on the wall. This is one of the most powerful videos yesterday. This was Ken Langone. I think he was on CNBC. Prominent business leader and entrepreneur. Ken Langone talks about the real dangers of this inflation crisis right now. How it feeds off itself. I'll explain what that means. And how inflation is a regressive tax. I'll explain what that means too coming up. But listen to Langone. Again, saying the quiet part out loud that even Joy Reid and Tapper are starting to recognize. Check this out. Where do you think we are uh, in terms of, of policy in this country, right? I think, what is it? Uh, 70% think we're headed the wrong direction. Uh, you started it, Ken. I don't want to get political, but... Uh, uh, let me give you a warning. Yeah. This inflation is a lot worse than people think. It is not transitory. <clears throat> and trust me, the, the little people, people like my parents and Lowry's parents, they're going to suffer because it's a regre- inflation is a regressive tax. It hits the poor people hardest of all. We have serious problems in America. Langone is absolutely correct. Let me hit two points on this. First, the inflation, how it feeds off itself and becomes as much a psychological phenomenon as it does a monetary one. True story, and I don't tell fake stories for effect on the show. Paula needs a new car, okay? So we're downstairs in the kitchen. She's shopping around. And uh, she, she says to me, my gosh, she was looking at a pretty expensive car right and it was like expensive but ridiculously expensive and she's like i'm not paying that for this car this is crazy the guy then from the dealer calls her back and says hey like it already sold and then paula comes back to me an hour later and goes listen i'm gonna have to go to a different dealer to get this car but i better get it now before the price goes up again tomorrow and i thought 
you just summed up for my, I told her that, my entire audience, the pernicious downward spiral inflation causes. You'll hear the term inflation expectations a lot. That's exactly what they mean. When it gets built into people's heads that the price is going to go up next week and tomorrow, what do they do? They jump in a market when they're not even ready, buy a car they don't even want like Paula's going to do. She wanted the other car because they're afraid the price is going to go up tomorrow, which does what? Which does what? Which causes other cars to disappear as Paula buys it, which, co- which causes the next guy looking for that car who can't find it to say, oh my gosh, someone bought it before me to do the same thing. Which causes then people to do what? To hoard. Hey, I better go hoard meat and buy a freezer because the price is going to go up next month. I better get it now. Which causes what? Less meat. Which causes the more money they're printing to chase even less meat, which makes the inflation even worse. Which causes more people to hoard. Folks, this is how you wind up like the Weimar Republic, where people are literally rolling wheelbarrows of money in to buy a loaf of bread. Don't laugh. That happened. Look at the photos. Look at the evidence in Argentina. Look at the evidence in Weimar. Venezuela, African countries that had to add zeros to their currency. This has happened over and over. None of this is new. Bad money always chases out good money. Always. You're darn right. You're darn right. When people used to use tobacco as money, as Friedman used to say, when they had to pay back debts, they paid it back with their worst tobacco. Money works no different. This is a downward spiral. As people sense prices going up, they hoard and hoard and hoard, which causes prices to get even more out of control, which puts pressure on employees to pay more. Employers to pay more to their employees because the employees will quit because they're not getting paid enough in real terms to support feeding themselves, which puts more people out of business. Do you see the danger, the downward spiral this causes? Now, the second part of this, where Langone says this is a regressive tax. In other words, inflation hurts the poor among us most. How's that? Well, let me give you an example rather than try to explain it. Conveniently, this article popped in the Wall Street Journal this morning. Homes typically sell in a week, forcing buyers to take risks. <laughs> what does this have to do with inflation? Well, just read this paragraph here with me. Homes typically sell si- slightly below their listing price, but in the year ended in June, the median sales price was 100% of the listing price, the highest since NAR started tracking the data in 2002. The median sale price for that period was $305,000 up from 272500 the year prior, the NAR said. Why does inflation hurt the poor? Well, for two reasons. The first, consumption is a larger portion of your income. What you consume and buy, is it not? I'll give you an example. You got Warren Buffett in front of you and the you know very wealthy billionaire in front of you in the grocery line. He spends $100 on groceries. What percentage is that of Warren Buffett's income? Zero, 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 zero. I'm not even kidding. One? I don't know. Probably about six or seven zeros. What percentage is out of your income? I don't know. Zero, one. If you're doing very badly, maybe 1% of your income for the, for the week or the month. Who knows? You're struggling a little bit. You consume what you consume is a far larger percent of your income. So if the prices for everything you consume go up, by simple math, it hurts you more than it hurts them, relatively speaking, compared to their income. 
price hike of 10% on meat doesn't hurt Warren Buffett nearly how much it hurts you. What does the house example have to do with it? People who are rich and wealthy have assets. Those assets appreciate as the price of everything goes up. So yes, the price of what they're buying goes up, but what the price of what they own goes up too. People who are poor and struggling don't have six and seven homes to sell, 25 gold bars. They have no hedge against this inflation at all. This is Biden doing this to you. It's right in front of your face. All right. I got the Buttigieg coming up in a minute. He put together a nice little thing for that. So uh, just let me get to my last sponsor. Buttigieg lying again, trying to explain away why we're suffering through this supply chain inflation crisis. They always send Buttigieg out there because no one BS is better than Buttigieg. I'll show you that and we'll rebut his nonsense in a moment. All right. It is time for BS with Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> Thank you, Gee. Very nice. Gee kindly put that together after I asked him the other day. No human being on planet Earth you know what I'm going to say, folks, says less by saying more than the hapless Pete Buttigieg. The administration sticks him out there because they know he has a doctor of philosophy. He is a PhD in bull. Nobody does it better than Pete. So shockingly, here's the Dinkins effect again, Joe. On MSNBC with the hapless Mika Brzezinski, even she started to realize with Joy Reid and CNN starting to realize that the administration is full of crap and is bankrupting people through inflation, and they're in a lot of trouble. So here's Mika Brzezinski. She asked Pete Buttigieg, hey, you've said now three, four times that this supply chain inflation stuff, that this is all about like childcare and stuff. But like, do you have any evidence to back that up? Now Buttigieg is like, oh my gosh, a real question? Listen to his response as he engages again in the Pete Buttigieg BS routine. Check this out. We're clearly going through some deep transformations in what it means to be a worker uh, and what it means to be a customer in this country. Those transformations can end up in a very good place for American workers, but we've got to get through this period by making it easier for people to be able to return to the workforce. Secretary um, Pete Buttigieg, I still don't understand the the, the problem that's happening right now. I mean, if you were telling me that Build Back Better will bring people back to work because of much needed and long needed issues like child care and pre-k that still doesn't explain why people aren't coming to work today especially when companies are trying to raise their salaries as much as possible um we have the prices of goods going up it's more expensive to live why aren't people coming back to work right now why are we in this crisis where whether it's sitting on a plane for four hours to wait for a fuel truck driver or walking into a store that has no workers in it or going to a gas station that doesn't have someone to pump the gas. Well, again, I would not ignore the issue of uh, child care. I would not issue ignore the issue of uh, uh, safety. Some people still concerned about returning during the course of the pandemic. That interview went on for a good four minutes. I don't have time to play all four minutes, obviously. But, you know, credit to Mika Brzezinski. Even a blind squirrel gets a nut once in a while. Mika's like, dude, you're just making this up. You're in the middle of an inflation crisis because you're printing more money to chase fewer products and you keep throwing out these red herring arguments. Oh, it's childcare. Is it childcare? I put this, I rarely, if ever, put Politico articles in my newsletter. Bongino.com slash newsletter. If you'd like to follow the newsletter, it's where you go. You just click follow here. 
or click sign up. It's free, of course. Read this article. It's worth your time by Megan Casella and Eleanor Mueller at Politico. This is from May of 2021. A Biden-friendly economist is creating a big headache for the president's spending plans. So don't worry, Joe. Buttigieg, in his daily BS with Buttigieg segment, says all of this inflation and nonsense. Yeah, it's all a child care issue. You know, parents won't go back to work um, child care wise. So products are getting more expensive because right. nobody's producing stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah, right. <laughs> you got it, Joe? Got it? Joe's correct. Joe's, yeah, 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 I heard that one before. Um, well, here's a study by former Obama Council of Economic Advisors, uh, Representative Jason Furman. And it said a new economic analysis led by a prominent White House ally concludes that school and daycare closures are not, I repeat, are not driving low, uh, low employment levels, are not driving low employment levels, blunting a key Biden administration argument in favor of its American Families Plan and undercutting the view of some Democrats that investing in child care is crucial for the country to climb out of the coronavirus recession. Now, listen. I realize that there's no amount of data or research that is going to prove to Pete Buttigieg that he should tell the truth. Buttigieg is a very smart guy. He knows he's lying. Buttigieg is out there to lie to you. All I ask is that you become Paul and Paulette Revere's for truth and spread the word around that that is not, in fact, accurate. There would be evidence that parents who have children weren't returning to work in unusually large numbers if childcare was an issue. Right, folks? You're all pretty smart people. This isn't hard to figure out, right? The data would be there. Are you a parent? Yes. Are you returning to work? No. Oh, my gosh. Child care issues, right? Uh, no, he's totally making that up. Rather than solving a problem, they're doing what Democrats always do, lying about a problem. Now, there are people on the left, again, media people and Democrats in the party institution in the swamp who are starting to realize that the Dinkins moment is here right now. One of them is Joe Manchin. Here's an article by Axios in the newsletter today as well. Joe Manchin, who is a moderate Democrat senator from Wisconsin, is starting to realize that if Biden's Build Back Worse plan to spend three to four trillion more dollars passes, that it's going to cause inflation like we haven't seen, even though we're living through inflation we haven't seen right now. It's going to be inflation we haven't seen since we haven't seen it last month. Manchin may delay Biden's social spending plan over inflation. Joe Manchin does not want to be part of the financial apocalypse coming if this passes. Can you imagine printing $4 trillion to insert into the economy? Can you imagine doing that under the inflationary pressures you have now? You think my wife's story about I better buy the car now before the price goes up is bad? Wait till she better buy the car till the price goes up, uh, you know, 50 and 60% by next year. People are going to start hoarding everything. Right, I've got a couple more stories. I just want to bring one more thing up. My show, Unfiltered, uh, got a big guest Saturday night. We got uh, Governor Ron DeSantis on. That should be fun. I always enjoy having conversations with him. So uh, don't miss that. Yeah, he confirmed. So Unfiltered, Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern time. Set your DVR. We had great ratings last week. I really appreciate it. 1.5 million tuned in. You all are awesome. Saturday night, Fox News Channel, 10 p.m. So we really appreciate that. Um, just one other story will be in the newsletter today. I want to bring out the mask fascists are now embarrassing us globally. The U.S. is now one of only seven countries in the Western world still making kids wear masks in schools in the Daily Mail. Why is this? It's the same reason the vaccine mandates is not, are not about vaccines and mask mandates are not about masks. Dan, you're talking about a mask mandate. It's not about masks, ladies and gentlemen. This is about control. The left has always sought subjugation of what they consider their inferiors, you smelly deplorables. 
They do these mask and vaccine things to let you know they're in charge. It has nothing to do with public health. We're even being laughed at by the United Kingdom. That doesn't make their, uh, nothing, nothing, I'm knocking anyone over there, but we are supposed to be the global leader. We are supposed to be the global leader for sanity, reasonableness, prosperity, liberty, and we're not. We're being lectured by other countries that are laughing at us because we continue to put face diapers on our kids and it's embarrassing. I have a great update, ladies and gentlemen, on the cat lady. They call her the cat lady. People say she's crazy just because she has a few dozen cats. <laughs> you know the cat lady, Nandini Jammy? She's the George Soros stooge who has uh, spent her life in her mama's basement trying to get websites uh, deplatformed and uh, conservative speech censored. I have an interesting update, so just just quick. I don't like wasting a lot of time on my show on the cat lady, but so she sits on Twitter all day. She doesn't have an actual job, so she sits on Twitter all day and she tweets out about how Gateway Pundit, Daily Wire, Bongino.com, we got all these these things banned from the website. So we've had an ongoing investigation for months, and there'll be some interesting stuff coming out about Nardini and Wikipedia and Antifa and stuff. It's stay tuned. We've got a lot coming up. Uh, it gets worse on Nardini, lying to donors, defrauding them uh, by telling them she, their, their donations are tax deductible on her website. There's a real history of fraud there with Nardini. And she's starting to panic because um, as more and more articles are written about this uh, pernicious figure in her movement, she's destroying the credibility of the left. She's realizing the SEO for her is not very good either anymore. So she's starting to panic a little bit. So we started reaching out to these companies she claims to have uh, canceled on these websites. And we found an interesting phenomenon. We were going to create a page, a web page, companies working with Nandini, the Soros stooge, to censor conservative free speech. But again, we found an interesting phenomenon. When we called the companies and said, hey, Nandini said that you canceled your ads on this site or that site. About 95% of them said, what the hell are you talking about? She's totally making that up. So there were no companies to put down. So we can't do the website. Folks, this is one big intergalactic fraud. She's trying to grift off donors by defrauding them, telling them they have tax-deductible donations. It was on her website when it doesn't appear to be the case right now. And then in order to get them to give her money, she puts out on Twitter, hey, we got all these sites canceled. I'm telling you she's making it up. That'll all become obvious in the next few days and weeks. I promise. She's just making it up. This is how the left works. It's one big manipulation manipulation scheme. It's like BS with Buttigieg, BS with the Catholic. That happens too. All right. Um, you, oh, I know. I know. It's your, yeah, she's got a grift. A grift is good. You almost got to admire her grift. She's like, yeah, I got all these people canceled. We call them. Did you cancel that? Said, we don't know who that woman is. We have no idea what you're talking about. That happens all the time. Uh, did you see this from Disclosed TV? YouTube. YouTube is now going to hide the dislike count on all videos. Gee, why is that? Well, YouTube noticed recently that the videos published by the White House channel are receiving far more dislikes than likes. <laughs> they can't, Joe, they can't stop. They can't stop. These, this is the, the useful idiots that have been described by socialists throughout human history seem to have all found employment at YouTube at the same time. They've obviously become Pravda. So YouTube understands fully the administration is in the David Dinkins effect right now. And the big tech liberal goons at YouTube and Google, these communists, are doing everything in their power in conjunction with their speech centers like the cat lady, Soros, and others. And the liars like Buttigieg. 
to make you believe what's happening isn't really happening. All right, I'm running out of time. One last thing. So apparently Scotty Pippen used to play for the Bull. This is like a totally out of left field. So there's no elements for this key. Don't worry. It's like, did I miss something? No, he didn't miss anything. I just, this bothered me. Right before I got on the air, I was reading this story. Scotty Pippen used to be a uh, forward for the Chicago Bulls, played with Michael Jordan, who was a far inferior player to Michael Jordan, is now trashing Michael Jordan. I met Michael Jordan once. He was a gentleman, a real gentleman. Uh, I took a picture with him, and someone said to him, hey, uh, Michael, be careful. That guy works at Fox. He was joking. And Michael said, I don't care. I love everybody. And I thought, wow, that was nice of him. I don't take a picture with a lot of people, but he was a real gentleman. Didn't spend a lot of time, talked to him for a few minutes. That was about it. But a real gentleman and a very nice guy. Michael Jordan was also the greatest basketball player of all time. And Scottie Pippen's implication that Michael Jordan was not as great as it seemed and that LeBron James was better is candidly laughable. I watched Michael Jordan play. And when you watch a game, Joe, you were a sports guy. You know, when you watch a game and you love a team, when you, you watch a game totally differently, you watch every single rebound and shot, yeah. you live and die with You watch it differently when you love that team. I used to love the Knicks. Michael Jordan destroyed the Knicks for seven years, maybe more. Destroyed us. There was no better player in the history of basketball. Scottie Pippen is a disgrace. Should be embarrassed. Keep your eye on China today, too, by the way. Evergrande, that company uh, defaulted. That company had a $300 billion that built a bunch of homes and apartments in China, a bunch of apartments. They defaulted today. Keep your eye on China. We'll have updates on the Rittenhouse case on the radio show later. Don't miss that. And be sure to check out Unfiltered Saturday at 10 o'clock. Set your DVR. Yes. Oh, questions for tomorrow. Here, you can submit questions in two places. You can go to Rumble, rumble.com slash Bongino. Submit a question for tomorrow's questions for Dan. And you can go to Locals. Locals, download the app. I'm at D Bongino. I'll put out a post today. Questions and then just submit away. See you all tomorrow. You just heard Dan Bongino.